Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. All right, now... I don't want them to gain another yard. You blitz all night. If they cross the line of scrimmage, I'm going to take every last one of you out. You make sure that they remember forever the night they played the Titans. Minshew in trouble. Just lost it up. Nobody home. Cowboys going to win it. Welcome back, everyone, to the latest edition of the Writer's Block Podcast. Man, forget the other side of the world. Santa made sure to stop by at AT&T Stadium first on Saturday and granted everyone's wish that the Cowboys will start off Christmas on a positive note and beat the Philadelphia Eagles 40-34. to uh, I, I am so blown away. My Christmas was great because of that. Uh, I'm here with my co-host, as always, Jess Navarez. You could follow both of us on Twitter at Jess Navarez underscore and at Brandon is right. Jess, your initial reaction to the game. I know you were on site, on scene uh, for, for the beatdown of the Eagles and Gardner Minshew, but was that the highlight of your Christmas or did you get another gift that you know you want to share with the class? You know what? Christmas was amazing, but I have to say, anytime the Cowboys beat the Eagles, it's just a Christmas present that I don't think anybody could really outdo at that point, even if they try. Um, but what I will say is... That was a rowdy game. There was a lot of Eagles fans that showed up. So any Cowboys fans that sold their tickets to Eagles fans, I am mad at y'all because there was a ton of Eagles fans at the game and they were being very loud. As you know, they were trying their hardest. There was one guy in our section where we were sitting. He had a flag, an Eagles flag, and he was just waving it around, blocking everybody's view. Needless to say, he wasn't a crowd favorite in our section that was mostly Cowboys fans, luckily. Um, by the end of the game, he put the flag away, like, as he should have. But it was a great Christmas, and I know Mariah Carey said, all I want for Christmas is you, and that you really was the Cowboys win. And I got what I wanted. I'm glad uh, everybody else did, too, with that. But a 40-burger, Brandon, were you expecting 40 points on the board with this Eagles team? Because... As much as we hate to admit it, they're not a bad team. Yeah, and and I think the one thing I wrote down is it's nice to be on the opposite side of a 40 to 34 victory. Um, you know, when they lost to Jacksonville the week before to the same score, it, it was just nice to see the offense come alive. And we'll get into sort of the early hiccup that happened, but I think that we've just seen from the previous three weeks, Dak Prescott is developing into his old self. We're seeing a lot of positive things from Kellen Moore in the offense. And I know we were talking about things that we wanted to see change. And I think that the situational play calling was a lot better. 
Um, but yeah, the, the, the Eagles are still a great team, even though Jalen Hurts wasn't playing at quarterback. And I know there were a lot of talking heads today uh, as we're recording this on Monday saying, oh, the Eagles, you know, they didn't play their best because of Gardner Minshew, but the Cowboys should have blown them out of the building. No, like they're still a number one team in the NFL and the NFC for a reason. Their defense is elite. The pass rush was getting home, uh, beating the Cowboys offensive line. So there were struggles because of the Eagles being a talented team. Um, I, I think 40 points, it, to me, it was the same thing like the Jaguars game. Whoever scored 40 points was going to be winning this game. And the Cowboys were uh, the first ones to do it. So they were able to win the game. But I, I think the the one word I want to say that, about this team is resiliency and resilient. And I know the social media team was right on that right after the game, posting the highlight video of this whole season. And just seeing, you know, start, from start to finish, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game, where we were after that and all the headlines that were coming out to where we are now. I think that it's just uh, the definition for the entire team this season. And I know Mike McCarthy has preached that a lot. So uh, a resilient bunch. They found a way to be down 10 points two times in the game and come back to win. So I just I liked what I saw. There are things to clean up, but we will certainly get into that. Yeah, and what I love about their theme of resilience this season is Mike McCarthy picked it ahead of even knowing what was to come. Exactly. Uh, even in training camp, and that is the perfect word for this team, very bend but never break mentality. Um, and, and that was shown multiple times throughout the game, and we'll get into it when we talk about our uh, top 10, which I'm sure is going to be a very interesting one. Uh, it was much easier to put together this week, <laughs> I will say. Absolutely. <laughs> but, um, you know, what I what I really appreciate about their resilience is the fact that it just keeps getting better and better. And what I think people are forgetting sometimes when it comes to, um, you know, the offense and specifically with Dak Prescott lately is he really right now is in midseason form. Keep in mind, he hasn't played this entire season. So to me. Are the interceptions an issue? Sure, but not as big of a deal as I think a lot of those talking heads, like you mentioned, had uh, tried to make it seem because you look at where Dak started, uh, what was it, eight weeks ago now to where he is now, he is in his midseason form. They're all just getting their communication together, and, and that was one thing I really wanted to look at this week was how their communication within the offense is, is getting. You see the cadence within the O-line again. You see a, a discipline with their mental focus. Um, you're seeing less penalties, which you know I love. Um, and what most of all, what you're seeing is you're seeing confident receivers. You're seeing CeeDee Lamb stepping up, Michael Gallup really getting back into that role because there's clear communication to what's going on. And so um, I think for me this week, that was a point of emphasis I wanted to see growth in. Absolutely saw growth in that as far as the, the offense goes. But with the defense, I mean, obviously with the amount of injuries that has struck in that defense these last few weeks, what I wanted to see was the resilience on the defense and specifically what Dan Quinn was going to do with what he had and who he's going to utilize. And so I think this game was a very good indicator of what the future holds for this Dallas defense. In the meantime, while uh, those guys are out with injuries, specifically LVE and Jonathan Hankins, who really did play key roles uh, within this defense, as we know um, there. But yeah, I think a very resilient group, and I'm just so glad. I am so glad we don't have to hear any Eagles fans saying anything for a while because I firmly believe at some point down the road, the Cowboys and the Eagles will play again. 
And I just can't imagine a better matchup for, uh, say, you know, an NFC championship game. Uh, I know I'm really thinking ahead, but I'm manifesting it. Like, we're big manifestors, right? Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, I, I think that given that the Cowboys lost the first matchup, you know, with their backup quarterback, the Eagles lost the second one with their backup quarterback. It's only fitting in the storylines that the NFL, you know, kind of seems to weave in and out throughout the season that it's inevitable that the two teams are going to be clashing in Philadelphia at some point. So I definitely agree there. When you were talking about resiliency, I mean, to me, the opening drive for the Eagles, you know, immediately they hit A.J. Brown on a deep pass and you think, oh, man, this is going to be uh, a, a game that's going to be very difficult. And you would think that the second quarterback position would have given that up, but it was against Trayvon Diggs. And I know he was battling an illness and everything, so I, I give him leniency with, with how he played on Saturday, but it was almost like a oh no feeling. And then they hold him to three points. And then on the next possession on Dallas's first possession, you know, Dak throws the the interception, the pick six. So they're down 10 nothing early. What was your feeling at that point? You know, the, the entire stadium, how it felt. And I know for me and my household, the air was sort of sucked out a little bit. I'm trying to be a little bit more relaxed in those moments. It was still early on in the game where 10 nothing doesn't really seem that big of a deficit. But when you're playing a tough team like the Eagles, it could make or break the actual game. Uh, to say Cowboys Nation was not happy, that is a <laughs> big, big, big understatement. Um, you know you know how some Cowboys fans are, Brandon. They were around me just throwing in the towel. I had some guy up, up way far up in the section. Get Cooper Rush back in here like, sir, please go sit down. But, you know, that goes back to the resiliency of this team because – even when you look after that uh, pick six, which, yeah, that was on Dak. He took accountability after the fact. I appreciate that from him every single time. Um, class act and Dak Prescott is just such a classy guy in that way. But um, he didn't have another incomplete pass until less than two minutes in the second quarter. And the only reason that catch was incomplete was because the sun decided to peek through those windows at AT&T stadium in Michael Gallup's face. So I don't even blame Dak or I don't blame Michael Gallup. What I blame in that situation is Kellen Moore, you know, the sun comes out during the game at that time through those windows. Why are you calling that route? Well, I I know Mike McCarthy talked about it too in his press conference and was kind of (laughs) laughing it off a little bit. Yeah, and, you know, it's one of those things that this is a conversation that's, gosh, tale as old as time when it comes to these curtains and where are the curtains during games. I just want to make it clear. There are curtains at AT AT&T Stadium. I've seen them, but they're only used from what I've seen at concerts and other events like that. So they're there. They do exist. But, again, it's just it's one of those things that, um, you know, going back to the point of it, Dak showed that resilience to say, all right, yeah, that was on me. Now let's go. And he played a near perfect first half after that. And so I give him all the credit there. But Cowboys fans are so brutal sometimes to their own team. Oh, my goodness. I was like, guys, you have a whole game. Why? It's okay, everybody. You're good. Um, You know, go get yourself a Cowboys Rita. Sit down and breathe through this. It's okay. So um, definitely interesting. But to say... Um, that was the lowest point. I I think that's fair. I think that was when everybody was at their lowest and things started going up and down and up and down from there. 
I, I said that the turning point for Dak when you knew that he was going to be in his groove was when they had the free rush the Eagles did on him, and he gets blasted and then somehow stands up and completes the, the, the pass to Michael Gallup. And I put on Twitter, I said, you know, that play alone, I know the pick six, you know, you don't want to excuse anything, but that certainly made up for it. it. It extended the drive. They went on to score on that drive. So it's like, to me, he made up for it. And it was sort of like at the end of the game, you're not looking at the box score thinking, man, that interception really hurt us. It's, you see the complete picture. It's like how even Greg Olson was talking about how each interception has painted a picture. It's, it's telling a story with each one. It's not always on Dak. And I think that he was just outmatched by the size and you know the athleticism of the defensive end. Again, hats off to the person that he's going against. These guys play football. They train for stuff like that. They, they, they do it uh, in practice. So, you know, you have to just say, okay, you lost that battle. You move on. And clearly, you know, he was able to find his groove. Um, and the one thing that the other headline kind of coming out of this game was that there were no injuries, no major injuries. I know Zach Martin was limping around a little bit towards the end of the game, but brushed it off. Um, you know, didn't really want trainers to go near him because he's a, just a, a tough guy. Um, but for the Eagles perspective, the Eagles were really banged up by the end of this game. It, it turns out that for me, like, you know, when Lane Johnson left, which it's coming out now that he has an abdominal injury, which is going to like sit him for the rest of the regular season, uncertain when it comes to playoff time, how far he'll be out. Avante Maddox, the guy who was going to try and sack uh, Dak and was a, a menace for the first half before he left with injury. He's done indefinitely with a toe injury. So those two guys leaving the game, I think, had a direct impact on the Eagles' performance. Um, there were a few instances later in the game where uh, Driscoll, their, their replacement right tackle, where he wasn't able to, to recover a fumble, the Miles Sanders fumble, and that's when Anthony Barr was able to get it. And then on the final drive for the Eagles on that fourth down play, Dante Fowler took advantage of him and put the pressure on Menchu. So, like, these players that were leaving, the Cowboys, again, being on the other side of 40-34, to 34, they were on the other side of the injury bug, finally for the first time in three weeks, not losing somebody to a serious injury. So what 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 did you make of that, that the health of this team, especially moving into a short week, um, and I know that there were a few players that were do not practice on, on the Monday injury report, but it's more of like a walkthrough for the beginning of the week. Yeah, Mike McCarthy described it as a jog through practice, so just a very high high pace walkthrough practice, essentially. Um, I think it's great, but I also think it speaks volumes to the physicality that was being played during this game from the Cowboys perspective. I mean, for them to come out injury free, that's fantastic for the Eagles laundry list of injuries. Now, obviously you hate to see any player go down. So wishing them well. Um, but I think that speaks to the physicality that these guys were playing during this game on both ends. I mean, the Eagles were playing. It was, it was hitting hard from where I was sitting. You heard every hit during that game. And not to say you don't always hear that, but there's just a difference in in the way you're hearing the hitting. And so um, I think the Cowboys played their most physical game from what I've seen in person. And, you know, I have I think I've gone to maybe every home game except one um, at this point. But it was physical. It was physical. It was fast. Um, what I will say is... You know, what I wish the defense would work on specifically is keeping the physicality, but also the tackling in the same realm. So I what I've noticed is when they play more physical, that's when the tackling gets a little bit more sloppy and vice versa. But I think they're getting there. I think it's just been a lot of challenging times for this team. Um, I know Mike McCarthy also talked about uh, Sam Williams today coming out of that car accident he was involved with last week. Uh, luckily, he's doing good there as well. But I think overall... Um, injuries going forward these next couple of weeks 
that's my concern. Um, I think Thursday night games, it's just always been a quick turnaround for any team that has to play Thursday night, um, you know, from Sunday to Thursday. Luckily, the Cowboys did have that extra day off uh, for Christmas Day, but I also just think that's still such a short turnaround uh, for the amount of work that these guys put in, for the amount of work that's put on their bodies. Um, So to me, what I'm looking for for this week is to keep the injuries at at none. I mean, at bay. I don't want to see anybody get injured. This is not the time. Uh, The Cowboys have been struck by injuries quite enough uh, this season. So to me, that's my biggest concern. I'm glad nobody was really injured um, during this game. But of course, still wishing those uh, those players on Philadelphia's end that are injured um, well, because that's awful. Hate to see any kind of player go down in any game situation. But to me, Thursday night football is always a little bit more scary for the quick turnaround uh, when it does come to injuries. So luckily, you trust the Cowboys training staff. You trust their uh, medical professionals that they work with every day at the star and uh, hope that it stays that way. Hope that everything stays injury free. You mentioned a few names up at the top. I want to talk wide receiver. Uh, C.D. Lamb has another amazing game. Ten catches for 120 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, A huge impact on uh, what he was able to contribute for the offense. Michael Gallup, four catches for 36 yards and a touchdown. Of course, T.Y. Hilton getting involved on that huge third and 30 play. Uh, you mentioned and talked to Mike McCarthy today in the press conference, and we're very polite with your bless you, uh, about third down conversion rate and how that's been an emphasis for this team to get better. And it seems like that when they're playing well on third down, it seems like the whole offense is playing well. So talk about why you asked him that question and what you were able to make of the wide receiver production on Saturday. Oh, yeah. And, you know, shout out to Nui, who uh, decided to sneeze behind me during the press conference. And I just felt really bad. And of course, I had to say bless you. Um, Fun fact, it's a big pet peeve of mine if somebody sneezes and nobody says bless you. But anyways, that's where that came from. Um, As for why I asked that, I I think it's just because that's one of those storylines that faded away a little bit as the season progressed, but it's also something that deserves credit where credit is due to say, Hey, the Cowboys were one of the worst teams earlier this season in third down conversions. I mean, it was no secret given that's when Dak was out. Cooper rush was in things were a lot different. Michael Gallup wasn't in at that point. The offense looked very different as a whole. However, it was a point of emphasis at some point. Uh, I remember goodness, weeks ago, Mike McCarthy talking about, we have to convert on third down. We have to stay ahead of the sticks because there were times this team would go like, I don't know, second and 15. And everybody was like, oh yeah, no, they're done. You know, Um, I just really, I was thinking about it and I looked and their third down efficiency was just, it keeps getting better and better. And um, I, I just think to get the credit where the credit is due in situations like that where it doesn't seem like a big deal, but it's made a very big impact on how this Cowboys team is playing is is worth the note. But as far as the wide receiver production in that, I think you're just seeing them play more confident. You're you're seeing a confident clicking offense. You're seeing CeeDee Lamb playing with a different kind of confidence these last few weeks, and I really think that comes from the communication between him and Dak. You're seeing uh, Michael Gallup, who in my opinion, is back in Michael Gallup form. We're just not seeing a lot of him right now. You're seeing Noah Brown, who's continued to step up. Um, And now you have this addition of T.Y. Hilton, who, welcome to the Dallas Cowboys, T.Y. Hilton. Oh, my goodness. That was insane. Um, Oh, man. T.Y., welcome. We we appreciate you uh, for that bomb of a catch. Holy cow. That was 
we'll talk about that later, I'm sure. Um, but I think what you're seeing overall is a confident uh, receiver core. But more importantly, you're seeing Dak at his best right now because the big talk about Dak is the interceptions. What people aren't talking about is the level of confidence that he's playing with to be able to even play with the amount of aggression he wants to play with right now. That takes confidence in his own self and what he's doing, and it takes confidence and trust in his guys. And so, um, you know, I, I think it just all makes sense that it's clicking like it is. But, um, you know, I, I'm just really glad to see the Cowboys improving in those things because those were killer. I mean, you, you even go back to, at that point, the headlines were couldn't convert on third down. Penalties just constantly. And you look at those things, nobody's really talking about them anymore because they've improved. And so just getting credit where credit is due, I think, was my thought process on that today. Does every tight end now have a hurdle uh, play during the regular season? I know Ferguson had his on Thanksgiving. Uh, Dalton Schultz had his on Saturday. I think Hendershot might have had his during the preseason um, or maybe it was uh, against the Giants in week three. I don't remember, but it seems like all of them, except for Sean McEwen, have now had their sort of moment in the spotlight. This tight end group is so special. I can't even emphasize just the amount of continuity. And that's not really a word you should use for that kind of group. But yeah. with them, is it's so tight-knit. And Dalton Schultz... Um, you know, I think he's really stepped into the big brother role to help uh, show them those ropes. And um, I even go back to Dalton Schultz at one point being the mentee um, and creating that brotherhood when you had him and uh, Blake Jarwin together. I, I look at those that comparison to, you know, maybe it's not the same kind of frickin' frack relationship that you see uh, uh, Peyton Hendershot and Jake Ferguson have, but I think people forget that he knows what it's like to have a brotherhood within that tight end room, and he's trying to continue to expand that. And so Dalton Schultz having a point to prove this season, he's on his franchise tag year. Um, and, you know, I think this tight end group just brings so much more versatility to this Cowboys offense where Kellen Moore can really utilize them. I mean, whether it's the blocking, whether it's you have Jake Ferguson, who's going to burn you. I mean, they're vertical threats. They're big guys. They can block. It's, it's incredible to see actually. And so, um, you know, they're Jake Ferguson, and Peyton Hendershot. I, I forget that they're as young as they are. And I forget that they're rookies just based on how they're playing and, um, you know, how they're acting and their confidence in, in what they're doing. And so really, really great tight end room there. So that's exciting. When I see uh, the receivers and Ferguson put the spin move on Eagles players, I wonder if it's something that they see on tape during the week because they used it a lot. So I don't know if it was a way to try and get them you know, out in the opening, a lot of run after catch. I know Ferguson was great, and they mentioned that he had like a, a Olsen specifically. He was like Greg Olsen said that it looked like Kelsey, which I, I, I'm totally here for it, that if we're comparing Ferguson to, to uh, Travis Kelsey right now, I mean, they wear the same number, kind of like that big body kind of lumbering guy when they run but both very athletic great run blockers I think when you missed him last week in Jacksonville I think you could see that 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 type of presence in the tight end room is missed you know because he is a very aggressive player great in run blocking great in in pass catching but another name I wanted to mention too uh you know in the same breath of a T.Y. Hilton is James Washington was inactive um on on Saturday as well do you think now that with and Mike McCarthy stated in his press conference today that T.Y. sort of out of his ramp up phase and he's going to be involved a lot more in the offense do you think James Washington is sort of on the outside looking in right now I don't know. I think it's so hard because I think what you're seeing and, and this game is kind of fool's gold in, in that sense, because I, I think before this game, 
it, it kind of felt like there was a lot of confusion to how to utilize the strengths within the wide receiver room because you have different guys that give you different strengths. I just don't think they were being utilized enough. Um, you know, with T.Y. obviously coming in as the veteran um, and, and earning those stripes, it's it's hard to say. But at one point, James Washington was supposed to be that veteran guy. Um, going back to training camp, that's why they picked him up. That's why he was even in Dallas at that point. Um, very unfortunate that he gets to training camp, gets hurt like he does. He he comes back and, you know, the first shot he gets at a ball, he just gets absolutely blasted. And we really haven't seen him involved since. But I don't know. I think what's interesting about James Washington is now you're kind of seeing, and given you didn't see it during this game because he was inactive, but you could potentially start to see him a little bit more on special teams maybe. Um, and that's not really a position he's played before. So I think it's just going to be interesting how they utilize him if they do. But what I can say is I really hope they do. Um, I know you're not supposed to get, uh, you know, attached to these guys and be like, oh, I'm rooting for you. You're not supposed to in this business, right? But James Washington's story uh, and resilience and just everything that he's worked for to get to this point uh, in his career is something I respect every single time um, and his mentality and his attitude about it. I mean, every time you ask him, he's happy for these guys. He's he really, throughout the, the point where he wasn't allowed to practice, he was helping Jalen Tolbert uh, really try to learn the ropes because Jalen Tolbert also, where has he been? And and it's just kind of been word that, you know, maybe he was overwhelmed by the amount of um, learning that there, there had to be done in order to learn the Cowboys playbook. And so he took it upon himself to be that veteran guy for Jalen to say, hey, like let me help you with these things. And again, another guy we haven't gotten to see anything from, Jalen Tolbert. So... I don't know. I think as far as James Washington, the writing could potentially be on the walls and I'm just in denial at this point. Um, but I really hope at least he gets another shot um, at, at something. I, I really do. I, I think um, if not in Dallas, I think somewhere else, I, I really hope for his career, he gets something going um, because he just wants to play football. And, and I think after an injury like that and, and, you know, kind of being in this mental cage of, I know I can do it, but it's my body that's letting me down. That's frustrating. And then when you're healed and ready to go and you're not necessarily getting those shots, I can't even imagine how frustrating that is for him. And he's also a, like a real cowboy. You know, he has his own ranch and everything too. So it's like he, he fits the definition of what the team is. And I, yeah. I think, like you said, it's um, I think because of the position and where they're at now with T.Y. Hilton, it's sort of like a numbers game. But I do think that because of the way that the team has been injured on defense and heavily that they might be going defense heavy when it comes to actives and inactives. Like they're there. It's a luxury right now with the Cowboys at wide receiver, which I didn't think we would be saying, you know, come September uh, when, when we were talking, talking about the team. Um, but you look at Michael Gallup is getting healthy. Noah Brown has emerged, even though he, he had the blunder last week, he's still a viable number four. But I think if you look at where the Cowboys are at wide receiver, it's a luxury, and if he can help on special teams and when defenders get healthy and if they want him with his speed and his explosiveness to kind of have a potential influence on this offense, then that's great. But if not, I'm sure that he's keeping his body ready for when his name is called, you know, if he is on the active list at some point. I wanted to transition to the defense, and it, they definitely looked better. Uh, they had the four takeaways and everything, uh, were able to – put pressure on Gardner Minshew but again you know one sack in three games now which has sort of been again like another talking point but I want to ask you is it more concerning with um 
the the rotation still at cornerback again you know uh Devontae Smith had 113 yards AJ Brown had 103 Dallas Goddard 67 Kenneth Gainwell out of the backfield 41 normally the Cowboys don't win those games but because of the offense sort of buying them uh, a little bit more time kind of bailing them out they were able to pull it off is that a concern or do you still think that this lack of pressure is more of a concern right now I think it's uh, more so the cornerback position. I think the lack of pressure isn't so much. um, I don't want to say it's not a worry. Obviously, it's a concern. But what you're seeing, a product of the lack of sacks and the lack of productivity with that is teams have film now. They have weeks worth of film that they didn't have at the beginning of the season. Dan Quinn was able to put something together very special with the healthy group of guys that he had back then. And teams figured it out. And that's what happens during this time. I mean, December football, right? Everybody should know what their game plan is to stop people like Micah Parsons. Can they always? No. But they should know that. When you have a Tank Lawrence, you have a Micah Parsons on you, of course you're going to do everything in your power to game plan to not let them touch your quarterback. I don't blame them. I wouldn't want to do – I would not want to be – get me out of that pocket. I don't want to be – I don't want to be sacked. Like, no thank you. Um But I think as far as the cornerback situation, what you're missing now is you're missing Anthony Brown, who everybody just has discredited for such a long time now. And I think what people seem to forget about that position specifically is it's a difficult position. And so a lot of the times when, you know, the the Cowboys toxic Twitter uh, decided to say uh, anything about Anthony Brown, they don't realize how difficult of a position that he was playing for all of this time and making it look pretty easy. Um, and to me, I've always said, if somebody makes something look easy, it's because they're doing a good job at it. Um, I, I think what's going to be interesting is to continue to see how Nation Wright, uh, you know, grows within this area because Really, uh, I don't. I don't think we're seeing Calvin Joseph uh, back in that position anymore. Rightfully so. And and you you know what? Look, I I get it. He did not have a great game. We know. We don't have to talk about that. But I appreciate the heck out of the coaching staff for not continuing to try to make a puzzle piece work. That's just not going to work. They're they're at a loss of time at this point. They need to find a permanent solution. So. Um, you know, Nation had a pretty good game, I, I think. And so maybe he's not the permanent fix, but yeah, it's a product of injury. And um, I, I want to believe that Dan Quinn and the depth within the defense can figure something out. But what about you? What's your biggest concern with those two? I have to say the cornerback position. I do think that the lack of pass rush, it, it kind of goes hand in hand. It's like if you have the lack of pass rush, it's going to expose a lot more for your corners. Um, I know they were talking, um, I forget where I was hearing it, uh, on maybe Cowboys break that, the the Texans, the Jags, and the um, Eagles, they're using the quick game. Like you mentioned, like things are on film right now uh, for this defense and where you can where you can exploit them. And I do think that these quick passes to the outside, slants, all this stuff, you can see that that's sort of been why these offenses are having a lot of success against the Dallas defense. They're not able to um, get home on their stunts because by the time they're kind of looping around and actually getting to the quarterback, the pass is already thrown. So... I think that that is part of the problem. Um, I think that, like you mentioned, Nashawn Wright definitely played really well. Who knows? Maybe he's on my top 10 list. We'll see. Uh, you uh, made a great pun, rightfully so, uh, you know, with, with him being in the lineup. I think that it's sort of added a little bit more stability. This is also a guy in training camp that was flashing a lot. Like, people were talking about Nashawn Wright taking that next step um, as, like, a Cowboys cornerback, maybe a rotational guy um, at the second spot. So, 
it's unfortunate with Calvin Joseph. Like you said, I think the best part about this coaching staff right now is their uh, ability to adjust on the fly and not willing to settle for uh, draft status. You know, in the past, we would see a second round pick or a third round pick like a Chaz Green constantly get chance after chance. But sometimes you're just not that good of a player. You need more time to develop. The Cowboys are willing to adjust on the fly. They're bringing guys in like a Mackenzie Alexander, who was brought up from the practice squad for this game, and they rotated him in with Deron Bland on the outside, which we will definitely get it to. But they're just willing to adjust, and I think that that's the best part um, about them right now. And, and Mike McCarthy is is developed this sort of aggressive mentality. We it's you do you um, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. That was sort of like the theme of this past week uh, with what came from the Jacksonville game. And the Cowboys they went for it um, on their own thirty on fourth and one, where you will get twenty two yards out of it with a Zeke run. But then they also didn't go for it in the red zone, and they decided to kick the field goal before uh, the Eagles got their final possession. What did you make of those two fourth down calls? And I know they went for it again, also where T.Y. Hilton got that, um, you know, the the defensive holding call or pass interference call that gave them the extra first down. These fourth down calls that the Cowboys are going for, do you agree with it or the lack thereof when you're trying to put the Eagles away on that final drive? No, I agree with it because in years past. All I complained about was, why wouldn't you go for it there? I, I'm i the kind of person that I would rather say, like, I'm glad they went for it than wonder what would have happened if they didn't. Um, I, I think as Cowboys fans, you're, you're either on one side of the fence or the other. You're either on the, we want to stay more conservative and not take the chances, or, hey, at some point you got to break out of that and you have to try, and, and I'm, I'm all for it. I think if it makes sense, um, I also like to think that, um, you know, maybe we don't always know what's going on on the sidelines and the conversations that the coaches are having. It's their job to know when it's a good idea and when it's not. I agree with it. I'm all for being an aggressive uh, offense when the offense can handle it. And I think where the offense is right now as a whole, they're more than capable of handling it and they can play with that aggression. So I'm all for it. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm all for it. Well, and the particular fourth and one call on their own 30, where they, they flipped it out to Elliot and he ran for 22 yards. That's what I was talking about last week with the situational play calling that we were discussing with David Howman, how, like they, if you're gonna do it, if you're gonna go for it in that situation, have a great play call. You know, know that it's gonna work. And the way that they shifted the uh, the tight end to the inside, the Eagles bit on it, and we're thinking, oh, you're just gonna run up the middle. But they flipped it to Elliott, and he was able to run uh, for 22 yards, the biggest run of the day for him. So. I think if you're going to do it, make sure you have the right play call. Make sure you know it's perfect situational-wise, that the team's not going to be reading it, and then all of a sudden you're you're losing five yards, and then the Eagles have a, a short field to work with. So I, I definitely love a play call. Like you mentioned, we were so used to this vanilla team for so many years with lack of aggression, and that's why when, when they didn't play well against the Jaguars in those situations, for me it wasn't the lack of aggression or the the forcefulness that they had. To me, it was about the play calling. Like I love the aggressive nature. You're trying to win the game. The defense right now is very leaky. You're trying to beat a team uh, back-to-back weeks that are really good on offense. The Jags are hitting their stride. The Eagles have been great all year. Like You need to take advantage of those situations to put your team in a scenario where you can run out the clock and score points. So I, I'm totally with, with Mike McCarthy on that. Um, I, I think that we'll see come playoff time that aggressive that aggressive nature still stick around because honestly that's winner go home. Like you don't have any other weeks to adjust and clean things up and look at the tape and say, what if, if you're playing Tom Brady in Tampa Bay, like Mike McCarthy, if they lose the game or has to you know, figure out ways to uh, justify his aggressive nature, he could just say, well, we're playing the greatest quarterback of all time. And everybody will say, oh yeah, that makes sense. You know? So 
make sure you're putting yourself in good situations now to learn from it and then apply it come playoff time. Yeah, couldn't have said it better myself. I think when you're in the crunch time right now, you're nearing the end of the fourth quarter of the regular season, and it makes me so sad. I can't believe the regular season is I almost know. over. It's crazy. I, I can't. I, it makes me so sad. I don't even want to think about it. But um, it's gone by so fast. It's it's all mushed together into one little ball now. It's gone by so fast. Um, it's just it's been such an incredible season. And uh, for me, the and the way my brain thinks, I'm thinking ahead to think of you know, all the potential guys on that free agency list that you might not get to see back in a Cowboys uniform. So it's just enjoying um, the moment right now and and seeing what they can pull out these next few weeks because this is a very special team. Uh, we've heard it time and time again. And so I think, you know, we, we can talk playoffs and, and all of that, but they know the expectations that are set. They know what they need to do. It's just... You know, like J-Ron mentioned last week after the Jags lost, enough talking, start doing. Um, and, and I think they're more than capable of doing it. It's just, yeah, you have to you have to play aggressively, and that's not something that this Cowboys team is notorious for doing. And I'm glad that they're finally breaking that mold to hopefully move them more, more advanced in, in the playoffs this year. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, oh, I, I agree. And, and that's why... You know, with the season coming to a close, we also have our top 10 list that we've been doing every single week. And, you know, we've missed a couple weeks, but that's totally fine. I think that just like the players need rest, we also need a mental break, too, from sometimes these mental gymnastics of trying to come up with these lists. So, uh, but like you mentioned at the top, when you have a game like this and it's just back and forth. And for me, just as a football fan, a fan of football, I was enjoying the heck out of that game, uh, you know, the way that the teams are fighting back and forth and to see that they could be a potential matchup in the playoffs. I think that's what everybody wants, not only for Cowboys fans to play in Philadelphia and, and get redemption in that sense, but I think just all fans of football, uh, I think that everybody wants to see that. So I'll start with you. I'll defer uh, to you on this one to start with your bottom three at 10, 9, and 8. Who do you have uh, for, for this week's top 10? All right. I am going to drop my phone as I do this. Okay. <laughs> Number 10. <laughs> it never fails. There's always something chaotic going Absol- on around yeah, here. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it wouldn't be a top 10 if there was not well, something chaotic Whit going on. Whit apparently has agreed with everything that you said because he's been a little quiet. Yeah. So You know what? He might not be after this. Yeah. I don't know. Whit's <laughs> usually a little vocal when he doesn't like something I say. So so we'll see. Toby's sleeping over here. So maybe maybe not. Um, all right, number 10, I had our guy, Brett Money Maher, four for four of the evening. And shout out to Brett Maher's leg uh, again this week because without Brett Maher, there would be no 40-burger victorious celebration. Um, I, I just think he continues to be so clutch, so, so clutch. Um, and, you know, there were drives where the Cowboys should have absolutely scored touchdowns. Are they always going to do that? No, should they? Yes, but is it realistic? Also, no. So it is good to have that uh, security blanket with Brett Maher to know that it is going through the net if my guy Brett is kicking it. So Brett Money Maher, cha-ching, cha-ching, 
you're my number 10. Um, number nine, I had Tyron Smith. And again, it seems a little low, but there was a lot of good things to go on in this game. I just wanted to give him credit for really holding up in that right side of the O-line. Um, I just, after that conversation with Zach Martin last week, I have a new respect for what he does on the right side and, and transitioning. And not only that, but man, this kind of, this is his second week back from the most gruesome injury I think I've heard of in a long time. And he didn't even skip a beat. I mean, he's taking, he took full reps during this Eagles game. He didn't miss a snap. And you wouldn't even know he just came off of the most gruesome injury um, and, and just being so physical. So Tyron Smith, get all the flowers. You're my number nine. Number eight, I had Zeke. I think Zeke is just right back to his old self. Um, I know a couple weeks ago he was being questioned about his knee and, and if, you know, the brace is still holding up. I don't care what he's doing. Keep doing what you're doing, Zeke. It's absolutely working. Um, and And I just am so excited to see Zeke being part of the communication that has bettered throughout the offense, because I think it's just made him better overall. Um, you know, I, I think Zeke just continues to wear down defenses and he was the perfect person to do that. He eats more against the Eagles and, and that is statistically proven. That's not just something we say that's all in the stats that I, I just feel like Zeke plays harder against the Eagles and he continued to do that during this game. So I gave Zeke uh, that number eight spot. What about you? Who is your 10, 9, and 8? Well, Elliot had, I think it was, what, 55 yards uh, for the game, something like that? I believe so. Let's see. I have it right here. 55 yards for 16 carries. He was only averaging 3.4 yards a carry. He had that one rushing touchdown. However, um, you know, I think when it comes to somebody or a, a group like the Philly defense where you need somebody to wear you down, yeah. that's when that works. I don't care if he's averaging, you know, lower than normal, I guess, yards per play there because it was wearing down the defense and it was so obvious. He's just so physical. And when it comes to a defense as good as Phillies, that's exactly what you needed. That was your secret sauce. Yeah, and, uh, he didn't make my top 10, but I totally agree with you how, to me, when you're playing the Eagles, you have to grade on a curve a little bit because of how stout their defensive line is. I mean, you have big bodies in the middle and Linval Joseph, a guy that they signed late in the season. I mean, these are guys who are run stoppers and they, they are paid to beat the, the Cowboys offensive line and their running attack. And that's sort of what Harry Roseman has developed. It's like you're drafting and, and signing these guys to beat your division. And then if you beat everybody else after that, that's like icing on the cake, but you get into the playoffs by beating your division. And they have tried so hard to, to beat the Cowboys rushing attack, which has been dominant for a lot of years now. So I didn't expect Elliott to have a great game, but besides that, like you said, he it was like death by a thousand cuts. Every time they needed, you know, four yards, three yards, you know, that's what he was able to do to kind of give the offense a little bit more availability to play however style they wanted to. So I definitely agree with you there. For my 10, I add in Sean Wright. And I know uh, Danny Phantom, uh, a writer for Blogging the Boys, he's also on the Roundtable and has a Star Seminar podcast. I know he's not a fan of this, this player uh, too much, but for like what I mentioned earlier, how he hasn't gotten a lot of reps in the starting position. It's been rotational, mostly special teams or on the inactive list. This is a guy who stepped in against, you know, a top Philadelphia Eagles offense and played very well. Now, there are a lot of things he can certainly clean up. But like I said, when you're playing with the three weeks left in the season in a starting role, you're going to have to be trial by fire at this point. But uh, I know PFF grades, some people don't look at him as as uh, tell-all, be-all, but he was actually graded out as the highest, uh, you know, coverage 
defender on the Cowboys, um, you know, for their defense and also was the highest graded defender with a minimum of 10 snaps. Chauncey Goldstone was graded higher than him, but he only had nine snaps in the game. So you look at that and not the numbers don't always tell the full story, but they're not handing out those grades to a lot of people. Uh, Micah Parsons didn't necessarily have a great game and he's in my number nine spot. But you just see, okay, you could see it on tape. He's an intelligent football player. He had the great play of where he he tackled the Eagles uh, receiver out of bounds to keep the clock going on the final drive. He had the one play where uh, Eagles receiver was trying to catch it in the end zone and he pushed him out of bounds. So, And even last week in the Jags game, I was sort of screaming at the TV when he didn't tackle or touch a guy, uh, a receiver when he hit the ground, but he was letting clock run a little bit more and then touch him and then let him you know, go and, and, and place the ball. So I think you're seeing football intelligence from Nashawn Wright a little bit more than you did from Kelvin Joseph. And that, to me, will translate when you're trying to be making these quick decisions come playoff time. So I had him at 10. Number nine, like I mentioned, Micah, Micah Parsons. Again, I give him a lot of leeway because he was dealing with an illness all week, didn't really practice. We saw how he had an influence uh, on the Giants game in week three. This was the same thing for for Micah Parsons this week. He didn't necessarily get home, but he was applying a lot of pressure against a very tough, one of the probably the best offensive line in football on the Eagles. So, you know, to me, he still had eight pressures, put a lot of pressure on Gardner Minshew when he had to. Um, but again, this guy was sick all week. And I will always take a sick Micah Parsons over no Micah Parsons any day. At number eight, I had Tony Pollard. So similar to what you had with Zeke, I look at he got nominated for his first Pro Bowl this week, which kudos to him and everything he's meant to this team this season. But when he wasn't getting enough running, uh, enough rushing yards in the run game, they adjusted and using him as a wide receiver, you know, using him out of the backfield in the past game. He had six catches, I think, for 61 yards, something like that. So I, I think that you're seeing that when Kellen Moore knows that one of his weapons are being, you know, nullified in the game, he's willing to adjust and make sure that he's attacking one of the weaknesses of the Philadelphia defense, which is their linebackers. And so I think that that was great for him to, to again, like the Vikings game, show that not only is he an explosive runner, but he's also an explosive uh, threat out of the backfield as a wide receiver too. Oh yeah, I mean TP just continues to be so impressive this season. This and and you know what's what's funny to think is. If, if you've been watching him throughout the growth of his career, you've seen that. You've seen growth. And this year, it's just a, a leap and bound compared to um, past years. So I'm so excited for him. And also, the Pro Bowl selection, good for him. It's just so deserving. So excited for him and uh, um, all the guys there, um, all seven of them, uh, including my guy, Terp, because, you know, I was just so excited to hear that he made his first Pro Bowl, too. Anyways, side note, getting distracted. Uh, number seven, I had Nation Wright as well, because, again, that is those are big shoes to fill. Look, you are the guy that is taking control of the most scrutinized position right now of the Dallas Cowboys. That's a lot of pressure. Like, I just, I feel like it's a very make or break situation. It's a, you're going to do it or you're not going to do it for him. And he stepped up well. I mean, he had some good plays, like you mentioned. Um, I, I think a lot of it is they call it on the job training. You don't have much time until the playoffs. So you better get all the training you can in these next few weeks. Um, Nashon, though, really has stepped up. And I, I'm happier with the performance he put out uh, than what we saw 
a couple weeks ago with uh, another person who we all know, um, but I'm not going to be mean. Anyways, number six, I had T.Y. Hilton. Welcome to the Dallas Cowboys, T.Y. Um, I think it's funny he even tweeted out, was that my welcome to Dallas? Uh, yes, it was. It was absolutely your welcome to Dallas. Um, where that pass was made, it was actually right by, uh, or kind of right in front of the seats where that um, I sit in. And at first I didn't, I couldn't tell if it was a catch or not. And just, he kind of rolled, he got up, he's still holding the ball. And I was like, everybody just had a second of like, oh my God, like speechless. And then of course the crowd erupted and went crazy. But for a second, everybody just was so speechless of what just happened. You're third and 30. And and that, that situational play calling. Oh my goodness. Kudos to Dak for the absolute bomb. Kudos to TY for, for catching it and, um, really solidifying why the Dallas Cowboys made a very good decision there with him um, as well. And then number five, I had Anthony Barr. I think Anthony Barr has continued to step up uh, throughout the duration of this season, specifically more these last few weeks without Leighton Vandrush. You've seen him a little bit more. I think his physicality is absolutely there. Um, Something I can appreciate from Anthony Barr is the tackling has improved immensely since the start of the season because I think that was um, something, I don't know if I said on here or whatever other podcast or roundtable or whatever, but um, I'm pretty sure I had mentioned that something I wanted to see out of him was less leaky yardage and just tackling and go down and do not allow people to get the yardage after contact. Um, so yeah, I had Nashawn, number seven, T.Y. at number six, and then Anthony Barr at number five. What about you? I had uh, wide receivers back-to-back at seven and six. I had Michael Gallup at seven. For all the reasons you mentioned earlier, I think his confidence is definitely building. People were asking, I do a uh, mailbag on Blogging the Boys with Mike Poland. It's an international mailbag. We, we pull from uh, Cowboys UK. And people were asking, you know, this guy's supposed to be the second wide receiver. Where is he? And I said, listen, I don't think it's that he is not a good player. I think it's just a lack of involvement in getting in the ball early and often to build up his confidence. And we saw that the, that Kellen Moore was getting him involved early uh, to build up that confidence. And I think that's the main reason why he scored that touchdown. What a great throw by Dak, but even a better catch by Michael Gallup. And that was a turning point in the game. So he's certainly kind of finding his own. And you want to find your rhythm right now towards the end of the season. So if he can keep building that up. And again, this time last season, this is when he got injured. So it's really like a full season now where he's come back from this injury. And it's not even talking about when he actually had the surgery in February. This is just since the injury happened. So I'm sure that might be in the back of his head, just kind of remembering what happened from this point until now. And I think he's very grateful for that. And and just keep performing well, Michael Gallup. We need you in the offense. Uh, six, I had T.Y. Hilton as well. For all the reasons that you said, the fact that that Completion probability, according to the next-gen stats, was 22.5%. Like, are you kidding me? And not only was it uh, a near-perfect throw by Dak Prescott. No, not even near-perfect. It was perfect. Uh, But the fact that T.Y. Hilton is that veteran guy who's run a lot of those go-routes before, and he made the catch. Like, when you look at the week before when, when Dak threw the deep ball to Noah Brown, it was in an okay spot, but Noah couldn't come up with the ball. That's what happens when you have a guy like T.Y., where he's brought in here not only for his speed, but his 
veteran presence where he's seen it all. He's done it all. Andrew Luck threw a million of those passes to him, so he's used to that. Uh, also, too, I heard today that while he was training in the offseason, his dad was throwing him passes as well, too, in the offseason, so that's pretty awesome. I don't know if he's throwing at 50 yards. Uh, if he does, he needs to be on a football team. Um, maybe, you know, the uh, the Houston Texans or some somebody could use his talent. Um, but, yeah, T.Y. Hilton, I, I gave him credit at number six. I think he's only going to get higher if he performs well come playoff time. And number five, I had Deron Bland. I think that, like what we talked about before, his ability to play inside and outside, that's the thing. Like, he started on the outside, and Mackenzie Alexander was playing inside, and he was able to adjust on the fly. This guy's a rookie. Like, he's a fifth-round pick. It's not like he's a first-round who was highly touted and everything. No, like, he went under the radar, and the Cowboys found, again, Will McClain, that whole crew, another diamond in the rough. He has five interceptions in six starts, and J. Ron Curse was talking about him uh, today in the locker room, saying how he's transitioned into this dog type of a player, but they knew that in training camp and seeing him grow. And he said, listen, you, know, you take the name away, he would be defensive rookie of the year. You know, that's what he said. And of course, he's going to vouch for his guy. So that's who I had at five. Jess, who do you have at four, three, and two? All right. Well, uh, you know, you know, I got to give some love to my guy, uh, Deron Bland, which I will in a second. But first, number four, I have C.D. Lamb because, oh, my goodness, the amount of hate that C.D. got throughout this entire season is just I hope everybody's eating crow. Every single person who had anything negative to say about CD stepping up in this wide receiver one role, please eat your crow because it is absolutely atrocious to me um, the amount of hate and discredit that he got right off the bat. Because what they didn't realize is the kind of competitor that CD has in him. And um, not only that, but they also, in a way, discredited the amount of work that CD has been putting in up until this point. Um, I, I think having T.Y. Hilton in the locker room can only make him better, which is essentially, you think long-term, later down the road, that is scary. That play that T.Y. made, that could be CD in the next year or two, doing that on the regular. I mean, I don't, I don't put anything past CD at this point. I think he has absolutely solidified his spot as wide receiver one. He didn't feel like he had to prove anything to anybody. And um, I think what you're seeing now is a product of him feeling comfortable, feeling confident with his um, quarterback back in. And Dak feeling comfortable, Dak feeling confident as well. So CD Lamb, my number four. Number three, my guy, Deron Bland. Which the whole anything but bland thing, it's sticking. I'm just saying, I'm just saying it is sticking. Every time he makes a play, I always go to Twitter and I see like 23 seconds ago, Jess says anything but with chili peppers or whatever. And I'm like, man, she beat me the punch. Now I just tag you in those tweets because it's just like, at least I'm not going to take all the credit for it. I just want you to just blow up with that. And in this way, you know, when t-shirts are made and everything, you can put like TM Jess Navarro's on that. I, I should trademark it. I really should. But, um, no, like you said, I forget this guy's a rookie. I said that today on Girls Talk, Boys Talk, because it's true. We're talking about him so much all the time and these incredible things that he's doing. And I forget he's a rookie. I really do. And, um, you know, I get the post-game notes uh, from Cowboys PR. And so something here that says, let's see, going back to uh, Deron Bland is the first Cowboys rookie with an interception in back-to-back -back games since Leighton Vanderesh in 2018. 
That is crazy because you remember Leighton's rookie season. I mean, Leighton Van Der Esch's rookie season was absolutely unmatchable at that point. The fact that Deron Bland can continue to really amp up from this is scary, and it really should be for uh, anybody that has to face him. Good for Deron Bland. He's anything but Bland, and I stick to that. Um, that was my four, my number three. Um, and then number two... I have J-Ron Curse, who put a curse on the Philadelphia Eagles. Ooh, I was waiting for that. Very good. Day. Very good. I like that one. I'll have to, I'll have to reuse it. <laughs> it's a good one. Um, here's the thing about J-Ron is last week in his locker room interview, he mentioned he was tired of talking. He was, he, he just had to see it. Like it was it, no more talk. It's time for action. The fact that J-Ron went out there and played like he did during this game after that interview, I said, okay, J-Ron, I get it. You're tired of talking. You can talk the talk, but you can also walk the walk, and I can appreciate that so, so much from J-Ron. I think he's taken leaps and bounds, and what people forget is he's still playing pretty battered up. I mean, this guy has been dealing with that shoulder injury through the last few weeks, and he's still playing to this level. Um what I think was the most impression uh, impression. Oh my goodness. The most impressive about J Ron is that when you look at that interception, he's reaching over. He's not, I mean, <laughs> J Ron's just awareness of how to do this and make this play happen and make it a big play is how he reaches over. I think is just absolutely incredible. Good for J Ron. I think all good things uh, to come for him as well. So I'm just really excited to see J Ron getting his moment. Um, Again, he's somebody that I talked to in the locker room last week, um, more specifically about containing Dallas Goddard because he was returning for the first time uh, in five weeks. And something that we had talked about closely at that point was his goal was to contain the leaky yardage throughout that game and not allow more yards after contact. He absolutely did that and then more. So um, I'm so happy for J-Ron. I think he deserves all the credit uh, part of that three-headed monster, as he liked to call it. And um, I think you're just seeing him play more confidently. And, and what more can you ask from this team, uh, specifically with J-Ron? When we were talking about Bland, the one stat I forgot to mention, too, is uh, four of his five interceptions have come in man coverage. So it's not like he's not in the right place at the right time. Like, no, he's being aggressive and he's stealing the ball away from uh, receivers like he did against Indianapolis and like he did uh, against the Eagles. So that's always great to see. At number four, I had Brett Maher, uh, higher than you, so shout out to him. Uh, my love for him is just a little bit stronger than yours. That's totally fine. Uh, for all the reasons that you mentioned, eight for eight on kicks, I think the 16 points, it goes undervalued in the grand scheme of things because it's like, oh, it's just a field goal here and there. Again, like I mentioned before with Zeke, it's like the death by a thousand cuts. The 16 points kept you in the game. They kept the Cowboys in the game, and the fact that he was able to make the 44-yard kick, and I was just like, eh, he'll make it. Like To me... I don't remember a time, at least in recent history, going back to Dan Bailey, where 44 yards felt like, eh, what is this, like 20? You know, for him, that's the type of credit that I've been giving him in leeway because I know he is uh, Mr. Automatic. I know Bailey had that, but, uh, you know, he's kind of getting to that point right now. And I know he was quiet for a few weeks, 
but that's because the offense is scoring touchdowns and they didn't really need him. But the fact that he has a little time off, like you mentioned, like let that leg rest. The fact that he's able to just be automatic again without any t- like with time off, totally fine. Uh, also, too, shout out to Matt Overton when they made the the one kick and he was like celebrating, getting all juiced up. You love to see the long snapper do that. It definitely top ten celebration. Number three on my list, I had J. Ron Curse uh, as well. I know he made yours. To me, he also stood in the locker room today as recording this on Monday. And he was like, yeah, my play wasn't good enough. Like John Mashota of The Athletic was asking him like, hey, like that performance, it was great. Like, you know, what did you do differently? He's like, uh, I still could be better. Like, are you kidding me? Like, give yourself some slack here. Like you called the team out. You've been a leader all season and you backed up what you said. And to me, that's the definition of a great player is when you're going to call out the defense as a whole, not players individually. Like you have to step up in that situation and kind of lead the charge. And his interception definitely changed the momentum in the favor of the Cowboys at that moment. Um, and even he had a pass deflection as well. That if that fumble recovery was also huge too, how he was able to pick it up. The Eagles were driving, and the fact that he was able to, you know, turn into points on that fumble recovery, that was huge as well. So shout out to J. Ron, keep being the dude that you are. Uh, C.D. Lamb, I had at number two uh, for all the reasons, again, like you mentioned. He now has 1,207 yards receiving on the season. That's eighth in the league. Uh, Solidified himself as the top 10 wide receiver in the NFL right now. In the past five games, this is actually pretty crazy. In the past five games, he has 33 receptions, 456 yards, and three touchdowns. Five games before that, 30 receptions, 410 yards, three touchdowns. He is now solidified himself as Mr. Consistent. Um, Clearly, like we mentioned, the chemistry with him and Dak has completely changed. He caught 10 of his 11 targets. He's he's finding the right spot. He has a great feel for Dak on the neutral zone or infraction or the offsides by the defense. He knows that in that situation, he needs to just get upfield, turn, and Dak will throw him the ball. Like he, he also takes these shots from defenders where it's like right in the back and he doesn't drop the ball. He holds onto it. And it's like almost like he loves when defenders hit him uh, that way. And he's able to get up to his little face thing for the first down. So I love CD and who he's developed into. So that's why I have it. Number two, I'm, I have a feeling our number one is the exact same person. I'll let you start and announce who it is. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. How how could you give that number one spot to anybody but Dak Prescott yeah. after this game? I mean, I am so happy to see Dak back to his old self and a better version of it at that. And I think what you're seeing now is a product of something that we've talked about on this podcast for weeks now is – you know, it was going to take Dak some time to get back in his rhythm and and find it and get back to the communication factor of things because he was out for a significant period of time. And so what you're seeing now is it's kind of exciting because I I fully believe you're not even seeing full December football Dak. You're seeing like mid-season, things are just starting to come together Dak, meaning if you stay on that same timeline, come playoff season, Oh my goodness. You're going to see like prime Dak Prescott. And I know he's been under a lot of scrutiny about the interceptions and obviously those can't happen, but you know what? Good for Dak Prescott because it, what wasn't defining for him during this game was that one interception. It was his response after that. I mean, he, again, I, I can't even get over the fact that this is a real stat After he threw that interception, he did not make an incomplete pass until the sun gate 2022 happened with the sun in Michael Gallup's eyes. And again, I blame the sun for that. I don't even blame Jack. I don't blame Michael Gallup for that. Um, Back to that. But I just think that's incredible. That is the definition of a leader. That is the definition of resilience. And he played 
a pretty perfect game. I mean, he's using his legs more. He's becoming more mobile. You're seeing him play with that confidence that I want to say we really haven't even seen him play with since before the ankle injury. Um, I'm going back to that because he really hasn't been mobile in a while, rightfully so. Um, and, and I do get a little nervous when he starts running a little bit more, but he also does it with such taste that he knows when enough is enough. Um, I just, man, I have so much respect for Dak Prescott and what he's been able to do. And um, I'm just so excited to see what else he's, he's going to be able to do the, the rest of the season. I mean, Hey, I, I think this was a little taste of what we get to see going forward. I just like that when the Cowboys were tasked to do the impossible, like he stepped up and played the best game of the season. And I also like that the fact that it came against the Eagles, you know, it's not against the Texans. It's, you know, the Jags would have been nice and he played a near perfect game in that as well. But you just see back to back weeks. He's, he's getting in rhythm with a lot of these guys. And it's great to see. Cause like you mentioned, Jess, he hasn't played a full season. He's finally kind of getting into that mid season form at the right time. Like if he can carry this into the playoffs, there's no quarterback right now playing better than Dak Prescott in back-to-back weeks. I will, just like you will die on a lot of hills, I will die on that hill as well. Uh, I also like that you mentioned the running game with him. And he had 41 rushing yards on the game, uh, second on the team. They're getting him involved a lot more in the running game. And especially to close out their final drive, they called that run play. And he just it was the perfect time to call that play. And... The situational awareness, yeah, okay, he could have stayed in bounds before the two-minute warning, but he, again, being the leader that he is, stepped up and said, yeah, well, I thought that the clock ran out a lot quicker than that. That's on me. Like, to me, if you're going to do stuff like that, own it, justify it, move on, and that's what Dak Prescott does all the time. Uh, when he, he had that third-down completion to Michael Gallup when the uh, Vontae Maddox hit him, Maddox was going towards his right ankle a little bit. That freaked me out, you know, kind of like twisting and turning. And that's when, you know, you do that sort of uh, whale roll or whatever it's called. When defenders do that, I get very nervous. Uh, So the fact that he was able to just kind of go down after that, okay, fine, live to fight another day. But you mentioned the one crazy stat. The other one I saw, too, is he earned a season-high 91 next-gen stat passing score. Uh, and he was able he, – he completed all 24 of his passes against zone coverage for 300 yards and three touchdowns, becoming the only player to earn a perfect 99 next-gen stats passing score versus zone coverage since uh, 2018. So, again, like these are guys like Rodgers, Brady, Mahomes – Dak has been better at that than all of them. So for as much criticism as fans give him, you need to praise him when he's playing at his best. And right now, Dak is playing great football. And like you mentioned, Jess, I don't think we've seen the best of him. Uh, and you can clean things up. You know, come the Titans week, like it's going to be a quick turnaround. This week, they they have a leaky pass defense. So clean things up, get in better communication, especially in an outdoor setting. And I want to ask a little bit about the Titans game before we wrap up here, because when our podcast comes out, we have football two days after that, which is great. As a fan, again, I'm not the one playing on the field all the time but the fact that we get you know uh two games in in under 12 days that's awesome I love that um but the Titans they're coming off of a bad loss against the Texans who again very tough team um and they're going to be without Ryan Tannehill a quarterback so for Malik Willis he's the backup he's a more mobile quarterback do you want to see the Cowboys defense hold a mobile quarterback uh, a little bit more because again the collision course that the Cowboys and the Eagles are going to be on between now and the playoffs, I think is going to be pretty telling if they can kind of sure that up against Malik Willis. Hopefully that'll carry over against Jalen hurts. 
Yeah, I mean, I I hope so. I hope they sure can. But what I'm looking for these next couple of weeks is everybody stay healthy. I wrote that down. I circled it. (laughs) Oh, more than anything. Look, at this point, I kind of feel like what you see or what you saw during the Eagles game is what you're going to get. Maybe a little bit more polished as time goes on. But we cannot even afford to see any more kind of injuries within this Cowboys locker room. Um, It would just be a disservice to all of the hard work that these guys have put in week in and week out. And it always just makes me so nervous to have that quick turnaround um, from the weekend into a Thursday night game, especially when they're traveling because they have to travel come Wednesday. So that's kind of a loss of a day. And, um, you know, they did get off on Christmas Day. But it's, it's just one of those things that, Oh, if if the Cowboys have anything to lose during this game, it is their health. And I I do not want to see any injuries come out of this. That's all I really want. Um, really, I, I, I know what's at stake as far as the NFC East and that still being up for grabs. So they have to continue to win. They really can't afford to lose. But I also think your backup guys are capable of winning. Um if needed to preserve health of um, the starters, because I really cannot emphasize how capable this team is of making a very deep playoff run. And I don't want that to be snubbed because of injuries. To me, I, I'm not always a firm believer in you catch the right team, the, the the team at the right time. But the Titans right now, they I looked on their injury report, and again, it's probably like a walkthrough stuff like that. But they had 11 out of 12 guys on their injury report as DNP for do not did not practice. So they are certainly they battle injuries all year. Like I said, they're missing their starting quarterback, so they have to play the game right now of do they play a lot of their starters? Given that Week 18 against the Jags will probably decide the division. You're sort of left like, you know, do you play a lot of guys, risk injury, and then you're really missing a lot of people? Like, Derrick Henry is the main guy right now for their team, and he had a great game against the Texans, but do you play him and try and see if he doesn't get injured against the Cowboys when it doesn't really matter that much for them? So I, I wrote down injury, like I said, don't get injured, and, and I circled it. The fact also, too, it's it's going to be in Nashville. They're an outdoor stadium. Not that it gets always super cold there. It's not Green Bay in December, but I looked right now ahead of the, the, the weather the report it's saying 54 kind of at the time for kickoff because again it's gonna be at night you're not gonna be midday with that and um you know 54 degrees outside uh, soft tissue injuries that comes up a lot I remember a few years ago the Cowboys had a huge problem with that so you don't want somebody to pull a hamstring and all of a sudden it keeps them out three weeks you know for the wild card round so I think that you need to keep your guys fresh the fact it's a short week you know like you mentioned they're traveling on Wednesday it like when they've had the Thursday night games in the past it's either been indoor stadiums when they've had to travel or it's been at home so not a lot of outdoor games I know they have their uh their color rush uniforms new hat or not new hat new helmet um that they're gonna be showing off so that'll look cool but I just don't want any injuries and there are a lot of things that can be cleaned up defensively like I said defend the mobile quarterback but I do think the reps for your backups like you mentioned the Nashawn Wrights these guys like the the offense for the Titans right now is not the best they're wide receivers I think they don't even have a guy over 500 yards and it's already the end of the season so they are struggling but you go against a veteran guy like Robert Woods, and Sean Wright can learn from facing a guy like that. So I just want to see growth, but no injuries. And does that mean I have to sacrifice growth a little bit to save some injuries You know, from happening? Sure, I'll do that this week. It's an out-of-conference opponent. If you need to you know, win against the, the commanders, but again, you're kind of locked in that fifth seed. So I think depending on what happens when Philly plays the Saints, 
you know, if they win, then you rest guys week 18 against the Commanders. But I think that you you want to see something this week against the Titans. They're a tough team. Uh, but don't get injured. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, you even think of guys that have been playing this season banged up. You think of Tank. You think of Micah, who have continued to just battle through, whether it be illness or multiple injuries at this point. I would rather preserve them. You need them come playoff time and uh, not making anything worse. So, yeah, uh, save yourselves, please. And I didn't even think of the weather factor. That is a great point that you bring up because – Yes, the weather and uh, look, I'm just saying, talking to the guys in the locker room about this little cold front that came in through Dallas, none of us like cold weather here. Uh, uh, The guys I talk to, we're not fans of this cold weather. So um, it's a very different environment when you're playing outside and and, um, compared to your nicely environment-controlled stadium. Um, so that's a good point you brought up about that. I didn't even think of that. And not to mention, a player like Kevontae Turpin, pro bowler, uh, has played two NFL seasons pretty much, you know, going from the USFL. So if, if you want to give him a little bit of rest, you know, just don't tell him to return any kicks. I, you're already in the Pro Bowl guy. You know, just rest, save your energy. Because, again, come playoff time, he almost broke it for a touchdown on the uh, on the opening kick for the second half. Unfortunately, it was called back by penalty uh, for that long return. But, like, a guy like that, Give him a little extra rest. It's it's needed, and and he's the type of guy where his skill set can win you a playoff game and move forward. So I definitely agree with that. Um, it was four degrees in New Jersey where I live uh, over the weekend. So I know it's not like Texas cold. Uh, it's but believe me, four degrees does not feel good, and I'm sure like 54 degrees for these guys, it won't feel good either. Uh, but what is good is to follow Jess on Twitter. Uh, so, Jess, where can people follow you, especially on Thursday night? We might be doing a, another Twitter space for Blogging the Boys. Like, these are all important things people need to be tuned into. Yeah, we love to do Twitter spaces when we can on the Blogging the Boys account. So make sure to stay tuned to see um, if we can do that. But you can follow me at JessNavarez underscore on Twitter. Um, yeah, I need I need to get back on my Twitter game, Brandon. Where can people find you? I feel like I've call it, kind of fallen off. As the season's going on, I'm just getting so exhausted. I feel like I'm like crawling through like, I can do this. I can do this. It's just been such a long season. But um, again, I know we share the same sentiment of like, we're so blessed and lucky to be doing what we do and, and talking about the Cowboys. It's just a lot of work that uh, goes behind the scenes of that. But Brandon, where can people follow you and all your amazing puns um, on Twitter? Yeah, the the thumbs are getting a little cranky uh, with all the tweets and everything. But yes, no, the puns are still going strong. We're down the final stretch of the season. You can follow me at at Brandon is right. And that's W-R-I-T-E since I am a journalist. But usually my takes are right and predictions. I predicted the Cowboys to win and beat the Eagles. So I can hang my hat on that. Uh, But yeah, no, this final stretch of the season, it's very tough, but Listen, the Cowboys, they are in the playoffs. We can uh, breathe a sigh of relief with that. But as we continue with the Writer's Block podcast, we'll keep you guys up to date with everything Cowboys. Jess, the sound bites from the locker room. She'll be able to tell you what's going on. So uh, until next week for our latest episode, thank you guys for tuning in, and we'll talk to you then. (laughs) 